Holy Gospel according to Matthew. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all of the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him at the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, well, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able to, from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, and I am not worthy to carry his sandals, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Let us pray. <clears throat> Christ be our light. Shine in our hearts gathered today. Amen. So through the season of Advent, we are exploring the idea of longing. We are using as our guide the song that we sang as we lit, lit the uh, Advent wreath candles today, which is Christ be our light. Last week, we talked about longing for light in this season, even as we may wait in darkness. This week, we will turn our longings to peace. We sang together, longing for peace, our world is troubled, longing for hope, many despair. Now, longing for peace, that is a longing that I think we have all known in some way. We all need peace. Our community needs peace, right? We need peace in Harrisburg, peace in Allison Hill, peace in our schools would be nice, right? And our whole world needs peace. Some folks, they long for an internal peace, a peace of mind. If you're a worrier, if you're a little uh, anxious, wired to be a little anxious, peace of mind would be a great relief. Some folks are longing for peace in their relationships. Maybe there is some kind of conflict with a friend or loved one. 
And some folks long for peace in their very bodies. If they are experiencing health issues or, or those struggles that come with growing older. And then there are the outward longings for peace. We pray here often for peace for our neighborhood, where our neighbors experience more violence than in other neighborhoods in the region. We long for peace in our city and our state and our whole nation among our politicians. We hear so much of so much conflict, so much violence. Just this week, more tragic gun violence took innocent lives in back-to-back shootings at Pearl Harbor Navy Shipyard and the Naval Air Station of Pensacola. I hear the news and I long for peace. This week, a clinic patient and I were discussing peace and how watching or reading the news too much can trigger so much anxiety. He was wondering if all of this bad news that we get from the media, if I thought that it meant that that we were in the end times. It seemed to him like this must be a uniquely conflicted time and it is leading us perhaps to something. It must be leading us. It must have some meaning, maybe to God's coming finally to bring about peace. There is a longing for peace on so many levels. And for those of us that trust that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, that he promises to save us from those things, both personal and global, that disturb our peace, and we find ourselves longing for the peace that God alone promises, a peace that will will really take, a peace that will last forever. Advent is really all about our longing for that peace in our troubled world, longing for hope in the midst of an epidemic of despair. Looking at how many barriers exist to peace can really make one want to throw up one's arms to God and just say, you know what, your word alone has the power to save us. We don't seem to be making too much progress here ourselves. The gentleman who, watching the nightly news, was prompted to ask, as Jesus' own disciples asked, what are the signs of your coming? Are these the signs of the end of the age? And I said, likely, likely we are facing the end times. But nothing's really new about that. John the Baptist said 2,000 years ago, the kingdom of God has come near. But I'm not sure we are really all of that closer to the end than we were 2,000 years ago. These things have not changed very much, the war, the injustice, the longing for peace. What also remains true is that God continues to break into our world. Just as God did then, God comes into our lives in the midst of our longing And God brings messages and actions that give us reason to believe, despite the nightly news, that there is peace among us. There is peace, a greater peace possible, a peace that surpasses our understanding that seems beyond all hope. In that stained glass window behind me, there is an image depicting 
what is described in the Christmas story we'll hear on Christmas Eve from Luke's gospel in the second chapter. The angel is telling some very terrified shepherds there, all in their defensive positions. They are telling these terrified shepherds that Jesus has been born. And it's good news, says the angel. Good news of great joy for all people, says the angel. For to you, this very day in the city of David is a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. And then not shown in that window is a whole lot more angels show up, a multitude of angels. I'm sure it got even more terrifying if one was enough to bring out the sticks. A multitude shows up and they begin praising God, singing glory to God in heaven and on earth. Peace. Peace. Throughout the Bible, God's messengers, prophets, come with pretty similar announcements from heaven. That God is coming and that that's good news for those who experience injustice and poverty today. And with every message comes this expectation that the news flash from heaven will be received uh, not with a defensive posture, warding off the good news, but joy that it will change business as usual here on earth. Every messenger of God expects that when we find out that our sins are forgiven, that we have been given salvation as a free gift that we don't have to earn. When we find out that every life on earth is made in God's own image, when we find out from the messengers of heaven that we have a fellowship with God and God's people, the expectation is that in that very moment, a radical peace should erupt on earth. But is that what happens? Because sometimes it is the case that the peace that we so long for is actually possible. It is attainable. But we ourselves are not yet ready to receive it. You know, every step of Jesus' life was a step towards peace. He modeled peace. He, he preached peace. He, he preached an internal peace through receiving grace. He preached a communal peace by restoring bodies and minds of suffering people, getting them back into their communities. He preached a national peace. He welcomed those of different nationalities and traditions to be part of his community. He demonstrated economic peace, teaching how we could all have our needs met in an economically diverse but fair and just community of disciples. And he demonstrated that peace that surpasses our understanding, that peace of nonviolence. Even those who follow Jesus on that way of peace eventually stepped off the road at some point. But Jesus did show us that peace was possible. He showed us, he gave us enough light to know that we have the tools of peace within us. By the power of the Spirit at work in and among us, we can achieve the peace for which we long if only we allow ourselves this gift. No, we will not cure every illness. Nor will we fix every broken individual, family, or community. That is not our job. 
But if we let go of fear and anger and worry, when we turn, as John the Baptist says, when we repent from our sin that so often stands in the way of our peace, then we become vessels of a greater power that is already within us. It is the power that Paul says is the power of hope and joy and peace given to us by God. It is the power of grace. In 1944, songwriter Jill Jill Jackson was married and, and her marriage fell apart. She experienced a deep depression, a despair, a darkness, and she attempted suicide, and she survived. And as she began the long healing process, she said that she discovered the life-saving joy of God's peace and unconditional love. Jill said, I knew for the first time unconditional love, which God is, that you are totally loved, totally accepted, just the way you are. And in that moment, she says, I was not allowed to die. And something happened to me which is very difficult to explain. She said, I had an internal, eternal moment of truth in which I knew, I knew I was loved. And I knew I was here for a purpose. And she went on to write a song that you may hear on the radio this time of year called, Let There Be Peace on Earth. It's been recorded by many famous musicians. The song says, Let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth, the peace that was meant to be, with God, our creator. Family all are we. Let us walk with each other in perfect harmony. Now, it might sound a little cheesy, but it's also part of our the answer to our heart's deepest longing for peace. Paul said something very similar to Jill Jackson in his letter to the Romans. May God, the God of steadfastness and encouragement, grant you to live in harmony with each other in accordance with Christ Jesus. That God wants for us to discover what Jill found in the darkness, that you are totally loved right now, that you are here for a purpose, and to let that truth bring whatever peace that it can. We long for peace on earth, and indeed we long, our longing for that particular peace will last until the time when we meet God face to face. But even as we long, God has granted us the power to live that peace that was meant to be. As we sang earlier of the troubled world's longing for for peace and our faith that, that God's word can save us, we also asked God in the last line of that song to make us your living voice. God's answer to our prayer for a longing for peace is to invite us to receive that peace of grace and forgiveness and unconditional love into our own lives to receive the spiritual gifts that God has given us and without fear and worry to let those gifts be a means of peace for us. 
and also to share that with the world. It may be enough for us to just begin to live as if the peace that we long for were actually here, that we take a deep breath. We let peace watch over us, wash over us. Let it lift our hearts and our hopes. Ellen Stockstill reminded me that we do this in a way every time we get together. We pass the peace. We remind each other. We declare it to each other. Peace be with you. It is our earnest prayer for each other. And what we do next is our collective holy imaginations. They come to light and we see spread before us a huge table set with a marvelous feast. And gathered there at that table are people from all walks of life of every time, from every nation, from every culture. And with God, our creator, family, all are we. And so let us walk with each other in perfect harmony. Let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with us. Let us pray. God of steadfastness and encouragement, may our heart's deepest longing for peace, may our whole world's groaning for peace be met in you, and may your righteousness flourish and your peace abound until your glories fill the earth. Amen and amen.